uh, my name is Evie, and um, I'm delighted to be here and uh, share my experience, strength, and hope in recovery. You know, I'm a little bit nervous, so you'll have to kind of bear with me. You know, I, you know, I come for a very loud. Can you hear me, Derek? Is it okay? And um, I come from my back. My background doesn't came from my family, like right? it came from a very large family, and. Um, you know, I always felt the odd one now. So I always felt I was adopted or, you know, I always kind of felt kind of, um, I didn't belong, you know, and uh, I, my, I came from a very, it was a very strict Catholic family, you know, and uh, everything was kind of, uh, if you did anything bad, it was a sin and all this kind of stuff, you know, it really was kind of, you know, my mum was, would have been an archivist, you know, and she, even though I loved her dearly and my dad dearly, but uh, she would be a very kind of, uh, uh, she was a very perfectionist person, you know, she wanted to all to be little perfect little, little soldiers, you know, my brothers were all very successful, they they all got, got on very well in school and in college, and I was one of the ones who was that dreamy kid, you know, there in the school, with the, you know, that was looking out the window and daydreamy, you know, and be always the one with the half the sock up and the other sock down and kind of one plat in and one plat out, you know, and the reason I'm sharing is the fact that I would have been happy, I would say that, um, it would have been a very kind of a funny kind of family because I had seven brothers, you know, and um, it was just amazing. My mum and my dad, they, they, they all wanted, well, particularly my mum, she always wanted perfect children, the perfect house, the perfect life, the perfect everything, you know, and we all had to kind of be kind of, we were kind of, we all dressed perfectly to, for the, everything to do with the neighbours and, and uh, you know, uh, it, it, everything was for show. And, you know, I'm probably a little bit going blessing over there, but something happened to me. Something happened to me as a child, you know, and uh, it was to change my whole outlook on life, you know. And I'm sharing this because, you know, it really was. I would have been a happy, very kind of carefree, not, you know, trusting everybody, you know. And what happened to me when I was seven, uh, as I say, it was traumatic, you know, and um, you, you know, it still kind of just stay, still haunts my life in some ways, even though I've dealt with it. That was on and off for a long, long time. I got a lot of counselling on it, you know. And I was raped as a child. And um, unfortunately, my my uh, there was nothing really done about it. You know, it was very, very, as I say, I was very young. And the reason I'm sharing that is because it would have changed my whole outlook on life. You know, in the sense that my dad, my my dad actually taught that you were very, very young. That I forget about it. That I just. You know, it was just, it was hidden because it was dark. It was, I was to blame, you know, and all this kind of thing. Why, you know, I wasn't really nurtured and I wasn't cared for and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't hugged and I wasn't, you know, it was all my fault, you know. And uh, I had to live with that. You know, for me, because I was a child, I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't understand and it traumatised me for life, you know. I couldn't sleep and all this kind of stuff, you know. And uh, then on, because... Because nobody made a big deal about it, you know, it was kind of, oh, hush, 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 you can't, you know, can't bring shame in the family, you know. And I had to, you know, as a very child, I had to wear that mask, in the sense, I had to be that kind of, uh, kind of outlooking thing, pretend nothing happened, you know, and nothing happened. I had to live with the shame, and, and I felt different then, I felt, I felt dirty, I felt everything. And the reason why I'm sharing that, what has that got to do with, what has that got to do with me and uh, alcoholism? It got to do with then. I got fearful. I was very, very, absolutely afraid of everything, afraid of my own shadow, you know. And it was going on, I had to hide. And I wore, because I had to wear that mask then, because I had to pretend nothing happened, I had to pretend it happened. And I was only a kid, you know, and looking back at that kid now, 
you know, at my age, looking back at that that child, you know, I I live with that shame, you know, and I forgot it hid it so deep into my heart, right into my soul, you know, and I wouldn't say I forgot about it. I did forget about it because I had to forget about it. I wore all these masks about this, that, and all this kind of thing. And then I was running, running away from myself, running away from life, running away from everything, you know, running into sport, running into everything, so I didn't have to think. You know, and it wouldn't mean the child, I was say, the dreamy child in, in school. You know, and all my brothers were very successful, they were all top marks and everything else. I it was wanted to be happy just just coasting along the sense that I didn't want any attention brought on myself, you know. And you know, I went on, I just was, you know, just you know, and my mum always looked at me with kind of discount, you know, kind of because I didn't cut mustard with her. I didn't I wasn't a perfect daughter she wanted. She wanted the one that was uh, good looking, bright, sparkly. Wouldn't because I, I was sparkly and bright before uh, my traumatic events in my life. Uh, would have been, you know, would have been quite, and of course I was, you know, it was a typical redhead, very, very, you know, typical redhead kind of, you know, before, you know, and it was really kind of, I was giddy and all these kind of things, you know, my dad adored me, you know, and uh, from then on, I kind of withdraw into myself in the sense that I was afraid of anybody hugging me or touching me or anything else like that, you know, and uh, I had to, you know, this pretenses, you know, and Madonna, you went to school, I won't degrade here because, I'm not saying what happened to me as a child, it, it did affect my life. Because I went on and I say, I always ran away, wore masks for this, masks for that. There were masks because if you want me to be happy, I'd be happy. If you want to be, think I'd do this, I'd do anything. So everything had was masked, so I couldn't be myself. I wasn't really, I didn't know who I was, I, and I couldn't do life. I just, I didn't have the tools to do life. And I went on to just be happy, just coasting along, you know, and um, got into my, my teens and I was very good at sport and that's where that's where I got my my happiness my happiness because I could I didn't have to think you know I once I was running once I was flying once I was doing anything anything not to let me think anything not to sit with my emotions anything to run away from me you know and uh, especially people because I felt I felt that I didn't belong I felt that I was so horrible I felt I hated myself so much you know, I used to cut myself up with all kinds of things you know and um and then into my teens, you know, with, with boys and everything else like that, I got on great with them. I got on with them because I had seven brothers and there were always boys around the place, you know, and I got on very, very well with them. But as soon as I even went with, with any kind of a boy, you know what I mean, uh, and we got got co got went out with them and started dating with them, you know, kind of, you know, as I say, was doing you know, kind of boyfriend, girlfriend, these really innocent things. But immediately, I think kind of, they got any kind of serious me, I ran away, you know, ran into another, ran away. And um, I was to, you know, I was to meet this, I went to, honestly, I went to college and I went to secretarial college. I didn't go to uni, you know, I went to secretarial college and I got a good job. But before that, uh, I was to meet my husband, you know, and he was older than me. And uh, he was very possessive and very controlling and he was very, uh, you know what I mean? And I wanted somebody to love me. And all I want, any, all right through my life, I want to be loved. I want to be, I want to be protected. I want to be minded. You know, and I talked when I met him, um, you know, that he loved me and he minded me and I felt safe. And all I wanted to be feel safe, you know, and I loved my adored him, you know, and uh, going on to get engaged, you know, and uh, I got married. And, uh, you know, I moved, I lived in, in Dublin, I, you know, I lived in, in Dumcondra. You know, I was to build up, we were to move out to County Dublin before, uh, and we got engaged, bought a bit of land, we built our own house in it, you know, and then we got married and I moved out there, you know, and um, 
the man who are married, I never realised that he's possessiveness and his controlling and his his uh, thing because he always he, he did, he did you know he he always said he loved me, but it became a very very uh, a violent marriage, you know, in in the sense that. Uh, you know, at the very beginning, he, he put down the mark that you're my wife and now you have to behave yourself. And behave myself means to kind of sit and keep my mouth closed when I'm out, you know, and just be, be the perfect wife that he wanted, you know. And the reason I'm sharing that because just what's I got to do with recovery? What's I got to do with my drinking? I didn't drink because my all my brothers were very heavy drinkers and um, I didn't like the taste. But I did taste it. My dad used to give me a little sip of brandy, you know, at times, you know, when he was sitting down having, you know, later on in the evening. And I loved the taste of it, but when I used to see my brothers drinking and falling all over the place, I just didn't, I just didn't want it, you know. But when I got married, uh, my my uh, my husband was saying that to me, you know, why don't you have a little drink, you know? And I, I started off then, you know, with um, you know, we just be half a little dash of lime, you know. And when I think back then, I mean, we were social drinking for quite a while, and then I used to go go on to, uh, I used to have a brandy, you know. What I mean, there was just one or two brandies, there was social drinking, and it was wonderful, but um. And you know, but I always, I always was running away from myself. I mean, I went, I went into that marriage running away. That this man was going to make me happy. He was going to make me content. He was going to make me feel safe. And I went out there to live with, with, in the middle of nowhere, living in County Dublin. And the nearest bungalow uh, to our house would have been uh, three fields away. And I felt absolutely uh, terrified, you know, because uh, uh, as I say, my 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 uh, husband would be very. He was like living with a jackal and hide person. He loved me madly, but he. He, uh, he'd be very violent at times, you know, and then the money, you know, he spoiled me down and then off again, you know. And I was to have a, a, a I was going to have a, a family, you know, and, uh, and uh, you know, it's just uh, probably not, you know, probably go backwards and forwards about, about life and everything else. But even with him, he didn't know anything about my past. He didn't know anything about my, my childhood because he wasn't, because, you know, when I met him, you know, I, you know, I kind of, I didn't tell anybody, I couldn't tell any of my friends what happened to me, even my best friends, because, you know, I felt that they would judge me and they would say, oh my God, you know, you know, my God, and I, because I felt so soiled, I felt so soiled, and that probably just makes sense, you know, and when I look back at my childhood, it really wrecked my life, you know, and, uh, you know, when I was taking a few of this class with my husband, we were out drinking, you know, I just loved it. I loved the sense again, but it kind of calmed my head. It calmed my, because I always had the washing machine head, do, 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 you know, overthinking, over-emotional. And I couldn't leave emotions because immediately I felt any kind of emotion. I actually I couldn't leave it. I kept doing, I was busy, 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 busy. So I didn't have to think. I didn't have to feel, you know, and think did that it, it was like magic in my head it was like magic it kind of cooled my emotions cooled my thinking it made me feel just kind of it made me feel at one with the world I, you know, I looked out to the world and the world looked oh god this is wonderful you know the feeling was lovely you know and I just loved it you know and it wasn't it didn't you know it hadn't crossed the line I, hadn't, I was it wasn't a problem you know but uh, later on you know um, I had two sons and uh, a long long time after that I had my daughter but my sons had to had to look at my 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 husband beating me up and everything else like that, you know. And uh, and my my eldest lad said, "Mum, why did you leave him?" And I couldn't. And then eventually, um, what happened? Uh, my sons were taken off me because of the violence in the home, you know. And uh, not so much taken off me, but 
you know, things whatever happened happened, you know, and um, you know, through life and through circumstances, you know. And uh, I have a deep regret about my eldest lad because he's got abandonment issues and everything else like that. Middle lad, um, you know, is is fine. But uh, I went on then to have my daughter, you know, and I still and, and the funny thing, looking out at the world, you know, everything it was like pretending again, like it was back in my family home. Like my marriage was exactly the same. And what goes on in the house stays in the house, you know. And when we were out, everybody thought we were such a perfect couple, you know. Oh, he was like, you know, he was so nice. He was so quiet, you know. I was the giddy one, you know. And it wasn't I was giddy with think, but giddy personality, you know. And um, this kind of thing. Because I was in sport. I was my kids and that kind of thing. And uh, my husband never had anything match with the boys. Never even looked at them. You know what I mean? He just wanted the fact that he wanted the, the fact that to everybody know that, that he had children. Nothing to the fact that he loved them or he didn't. Nothing but them. He wouldn't go to any plays or he wouldn't go to the sports with them or anything else like that. And I was the one who was trying to make up for them. And every time my husband came home, my kids ran to, the, went to, ran to their bedrooms, you know, and it was, the house was full of fear, you know. And uh, I was back at work and everything else like that. And the money wasn't, money wasn't a problem or anything else like that, you know. It was just... It was just the the, the, the walking eggshells in the house, you know, and the fear, you know, and uh, what, what happened later on then, I was going to have my daughter, you know, and um, and he never touched the boys, he never ever hit the boys, it was always, he would take his anger out of me, you know, and, you know, and he used to say to me, um, why did you, why do you make me, why did you make me hit you, why do you make me, why do you make me do this to you, you know, and it was all my fault, why did I do that, and I was always kind of, Try to please him, do this and do that. Because I loved the man to bits. I mean, I thought I couldn't live without him. That's how much control he had me. He had me feeling so absolutely broken in the sense that I had no self. I had no, you know, I just felt that, that I couldn't do without him. You know what I mean? How, I couldn't live without him. How could I manage, you know? How could I manage, you know? And that's that's where he took away my, my whole self-confidence, my whole, my, whole, my whole being, you know? And getting around people, you know? It's just amazing, and I pretend I did the pretending game as well, you know, in the sense of, you know, I pretended when we worked with him. Oh yeah, everything was everything was perfect. We smiled, happy, and looked. Oh yes, and all this kind of thing, just to please him. Because and then he used to, and uh, if anybody complimented me on what I was wearing, uh, on the way home he 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 boxed me in the face and he said, "Get out of the car!" And he told me I hadn't been in nowhere, you know, uh, because uh, as I say, there. I lived in a small village just in County Dublin and, uh, you know, the, it was only, you know, be five miles from the, the nearest town, you know, a very small village, so everything, you know, everything had to be kept hush-hush and quietness, you know, and kept, you know, everything, it's everything that went on in the house. And my boys then were the same because everything was all the dark secrets again, you know, and uh, I was going then to my daughter who... You know, I, I adored, and I thought that now he had his daughter, he'd be delighted with himself. No, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't. He just seems to, he didn't even show the fact that he was thrilled a bit, but he just, he wanted to, for the, everybody to know that he had children. It was just the fact, oh, kind of like, oh yeah, I have three children. And uh, that was it, you know, and I say, um, money wasn't a problem in some ways. But uh, the violence got worse, and then he took my daughter, and then I just said, I just couldn't wonder where it was going on. and and. You know, and that's where, you know, I wouldn't mind a few times uh, my son, my eldest boy, uh, rang the guards when, years before that. And they used to come up to the house, you know, and uh, say, are you okay? So I'm fine, everything's fine, you know, everything, you know, and everything. So they went away and um, and then when I had my daughter, 
you know, uh, truth hunt my daughter, you know, and then I said I couldn't have that, you know, so uh, I rang the guards. And when he took my daughter, then he attacked me and he gave me, no, he gave me, the, he gave me an awful hammer, you know. And uh, I called the guards and they, they came and they took him away. I kept him overnight. And uh, they let him out the next morning and they came up to my, my house and they said, would you like to charge him? I said, no. I said, I give him I said, I didn't want to charge him over. I said, will he be okay? And uh, well, he didn't mean it, you know, he doesn't mean it. And then uh, the hammers were getting worse and then, I, because I had a daughter, I didn't want my daughter to know that any that any man, because my sons always said to me, Mum, you know, I I don't understand that. And I always said, listen, boys, and I said, whatever you do, never, never, ever raise your hand to a woman, because I had seven brothers. And my dad always said to the boy, you never, ever, ever raise your hand to a girl. You know, and I was brought up with that. And then my, and then to go into a, a home full of horror and, uh, you know, and the funny thing about it, I just wanted, I just wanted to be loved. I wanted to feel safe. I wanted you know, just to be, you know, um, to be loved, really, because I didn't get a love as a child. And, um, but I know this man did love me, you know. And uh, he loved me, but he loved me, but he wanted to possess me. And it was an narcissist in the sense that he didn't really, he just, it was all me, me, me. He was not, he was not only, and he walked around on these big marathons and everything else. I had to come back and it was everything to me, how, how gorgeous I am and how fit I am and look all this kind of stuff, you know, and really all about me and even the kids, it was nothing about the kids, you know, how are you doing in school, how are the maths, how you never wanted to match it to GAA or to Hurley or any of the sports things or anything, but I was all the one who was going flying around the place. And in fact, one of the, um, one of these, these top matches that my, my son was playing in a Hurley match was very important to my son and I begged my husband to go and he said, no, he said, I'm going out running, he said. You know, uh, I can't be taking up my time. He can't be taking up my time. I have to go out here. So I'd have running, you know, instead of going to the... And I went, and I remember the, uh, the mentor coming over to me. He was my, my, my son's mentor. He said, he said, oh, is his father not going to come to this day? But I said, oh, no, I said, I said he has, he's working late, you know, uh, because he worked for HSE. And I suppose I shouldn't be saying this on the, on the Zoom, but it's a story. So uh, anyway, uh, make matters. And um, then... Uh, I was possessed going on for many years, a good many years after that, you know, where you always say my daughter was too many boxes, you know, and I was looking at things, then she was getting a little bit older, and uh, and he was thinking, she was watching this, so I just said, that he gave me an awful hammer, and then things started to get very, very bad, in the sense that he's been uh, all kinds of abuse then, you know, and he was getting worse. So uh, I said, you know, and I said, this is how he just gave me such a hammer, and the last time he gave me, just said, go call the guards. And uh, the hammer he gave me, my daughter was so frightened that she ran, she ran out of the house, you know, and uh, she called the guards. My neighbour called the guards. And the guards came down and uh, I couldn't, I had, to, I had to charge him, you know. And the, the, the station sergeant came down the next day and he said, please, he said, charge him. And uh, in that night when I mean, they took him away, I, I said, I can't go on like this. So I got him charged, uh, and when the station sergeant came down, he said, he said, Evie, he will kill you. He said, no, he's been doing this for a long, long time, because we know, because they're watching you, you know. And um, so I said, yes, I'll charge him, you know. And uh, so I went to charge him, and he was barred from the house. And, uh, and through those barring, through this, he was barred from the house, and he had a temporary barring order until he went to court. 
And through those months, I was so lonely. I was so lonely in the house. And um, I started to make more, you know, and uh, I used to night at night time, so I can't wait to sleep. And it went on like that, you know, and it was just horrendous. It was just horrendous. The court case was horrendous. So then I got a three year bar order. But, and uh, my daughter had to, to see, my, my, see him in the guard station because he'd be so violent, you know. And uh, he, had, he had to see him in the local guard station once a week for, for you know, uh, just to see him, you know. And uh, every, every uh, week I had to drop him into, into this, uh, station. You know, and my drinking was getting really bad, but it hadn't gone to the sense that, you know, that I, I mean, I loved it. I loved the fact that it was helping me to sleep, it was helping me to cope, but I hadn't, I hadn't really realised just how much control I was doing with the drink. And um, a funny thing about a great friend of mine, a great friend of my brother's, who was friends from, from the time he was nearly four years of age, we came very, very close, and he would have known the family situation, and he would have known about my, uh, he would have known about my background and about you know, my, my childhood and everything else like that. And uh, he, he always was very, he was always very kind to me. He was a friend of my older brother, you know. And we were kind of like brothers because he was brought up in my own house, you know. And uh, he came out, out to, quite a few times out to visit me and see how he got on and everything else like that. And we got very, very close. And um, he said, Evie, you don't have to do this alone, you know. And he became really my, he became my rock, you know. And my dick was excellent. And, uh, he said, he, you know, I, you know, I suppose in some ways he always loved me, but I couldn't see it there, you know, and uh, we were going on to, to be really good friends, and uh, he became, you know, really more than a good friend. He he he, he looked after my, my daughter, my, my daughter so well, you know, and um, we got, got very, very close. He said, Evie, he said, um, he said, you know, I always loved you from thing, and he, he, he thing, we, we became partners, you know, and... Uh, and uh, we, we, you know, and it's just amazing what that man who used to get engaged, you know, and uh, he's, as I say, he was a great stepped out to my, my daughter, but he would have watched my drinking escalated. And uh, he he was a chain smoker and uh, 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 a chain smoker when he wasn't a drinker, you know, and uh, his family would have been drinkers. So he, but he used to, you know, in the sense that when we got engaged, I thought this is grand now, you know what I mean? But and my husband was being back for all these court cases, you know, because he, he wanted to buy all this. Even though we got engaged, we still we got engaged, but we didn't. It was kind of um, between just our family and uh, between my, my myself and himself, you know. We, we, we got engaged, but it wasn't uh, official, if that makes any sense, because I'm still, I'm still officially married, you know. And uh, the amazing thing, my husband was still bringing me back to court, bringing me back to court because he wanted to buy roses, um, dropped, and he wanted. And meanwhile, I was going through a legal separation, and he was coming around, and uh, uh, he was coming around terrifying me. He'd be following me around uh, our town, he'd be following everywhere I went. He'd be following me in his car, you know. And even though I had I had protection orders in place and everything else, I came around to the bungalow when my partner was away, and be flashing the lights and. And trying to come in, you know, and I had to get German shepherds in order to keep him out. And uh, this weekend he came around and uh, came over to fields and he tried to kill me, you know, with my daughter in the house. And then he was charged and there was all kinds of, all kinds of um, uh, uh, police, I got a uh, court case and everything else. And then my drink escalated because I was so terrified. 
you know, and my, my thinking just escalated. And it wasn't the fact I was thinking now, my thinking had come to the stage that I needed to drink, you know, but thinking, it, I, even though I was keeping down a good job, a good mom and everything else, that my thinking started to go heavy at weekends, you're being the binge drinker, and be coming from work, getting a stash and to my car, coming home, and thinking at home when my partner was away, you know, just so anxious. And he come back and, you know, he, he, it's just, it went really bad. But I didn't, I did, couldn't see because my partner was being the, being the, the good, the, being the, being the good stepdad, you know, he'd be minding my daughter when I was going off with these mad villages and I'd be coming back and he said how sorry I was. And he said, Evie, I never blamed you for your drinking. He said, well, don't blame me because he said, I understand what you're going through, you know. And uh, he supported me going to, to call all these court cases and everything else like that. And it was, it was hell on earth. My, I was tormented because, you know, we drinking then and, and, um, at weekends, and then the next the next day I needed to drink because I was shaking so much and I'd be having all these blackouts and I'd be trying to get off work and everything else and I'm kind of controlling my drinking, do all kinds of things like that. And, uh, and what happened then was the fact that uh, and I was in trouble with guys and even before even before that, uh, you know, uh, I was done for drink driving, you know, and that didn't stop me drinking. That didn't stop me. Uh, from uh, drinking, you know, because he just thought of everybody else in even in the area. They were all done for drink driving because we, we lived between two pubs and we lived in the world and everybody dr drove and drank, you know, and it wasn't a, and that's many years ago and uh, everybody drank and drove. You know, it wasn't considered to be really that bad and as I say they were living in rural Ireland, we're in North uh, Dublin, North Bengal, you know, and everybody I wouldn't say everybody but the, the majority of people who who were drinkers uh, uh to to the local pub and back again, you know. But I was just unfortunate I was caught but anyway, I should have been caught a long, long time ago, we got away with murder for a long time. That didn't stop me drink driving, I just kept doing it. You know, and um, eventually, you know, and you know, and I'm just the reason why I'm sharing this fact that I never realised when I was being drinking going up and, and you know, and having the shakes the next morning and blackness and paranoia and, and just a wreck. But my partner was always there to mind me and get me to drink and trying to give me to drink and hold it to me when I was shaking and everything else. And, you know, and he never ever judged me, you know. And uh, I tried to get and I keep saying to him, Jesus, I don't know why I keep doing that. And my daughter come home from school and she didn't know she'd go from home to the mummy who's drinking or the mummy who's got a perfect house, me's on the table and everything else like that. And that's the way it was. And I couldn't see the fact my drink was drink was bringing me, you know, and uh, what happened then was the the fact that uh, I was going through this horrendous court case and I, I got legally separated my my, my husband, and uh, we became officially engaged and uh, my partner myself, and, um, and everything was everything was, I was so happy, I was so happy with him, I loved him so much because he was my rock now, and even though my thinking was I didn't. You know, he say, you know, to me, and I say, wouldn't you, and he always say to me, I say, wouldn't you drink if you were me, you know, because it was blaming, I was in the blaming game, I was in the denial game, and he did all he could. He said, you know, and he got me, um, you know, he got me uh, uh, to go to, to, uh, you know, to see, he said, Evie, would you like to, to, to what about your drinking? Do you think that you might be uh, thinking, maybe you could see about your drinking, you know? And he got me a point within Stanhope Street, and I went along there for the thing. And uh, they were going through my drinking and, and all this kind of thing. And uh, and uh, I, I, did, I, said, I denied I denied my drinking was that bad. And when I came out, I told him, I said, listen to you know, didn't think I had a drinking problem. You know, I lied to him, you know. And uh, and he just, he because he loved me 
and uh, and he stood by me. He said, "That's okay, you know." And uh, and then I tried to control it. Then be off for about two weeks, and then go off for this mad bender at the weekends, you know. And then I was baffled by my drinking because I couldn't understand, you know, that I only go to the, the I only kind of go out. The only kind of go. You know, I say, I "Get you, you go out for me, like what was me, and we get all dolled up." And I say that, you know, um, and everything was gone. But I let him down so many times. We he ordered. We go out for a night, he'd order we go out somewhere here and we stay the weekend and she by the time we got to the hotel and everything she was here was me, I'd have a few drinks the next meet up, we'd gone off on this mender bender, you know, and he'd spend the he spend the night you know, instead of going to the show that we'd planned to go to, you know, I'd be in the bed, you know, in the hotel room, pissed, you know. And I made it very thick. But and I'm talking about my, my, my drinking and maybe I'm talking too much about my drinking, but it's just to say where I am. And uh, where Ricky brought me, he brought me to thing. It just was it was horrendous. And he also brought my, I, I also my he went when he was away on business. Um, I fell down in the house and I broke my arm, you know. And uh, my daughter had to uh, call the ambulance and was taken away to, uh, by the ambulance. And I, you know, had to spend the night and uh, the next day they had to X-ray and I, I broke my shoulder because I was drinking, you know. So all these things I'd never have done if it, if I wasn't drinking. But my later on. Yeah, and thing with my dawn for years went on like that, you know. And I still didn't think of the problem with drinking because I didn't think that, you know. I thought, no wonder I'd be drinking, you know. I didn't think that that I was doing anything wrong, you know, because he was there and he, he loved me and we were a lovely, cozy little family and everything was kosher, and, you know. And, and if she wasn't wasn't working, hadn't got a house and all these kind of things, I couldn't see the fact where uh, that, uh, you know, that how bad I was, you know, and. Uh, because then, uh, you know, you say get two or three weeks and then off I go on this mad bender again, you know, and then all this kind of thing. And I was actually, I wouldn't say I was, I wouldn't say bewildered, but you know, I, always, I always promised myself I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, go on these mad tears, but then again, I always did. And uh, one night with uh, my partner, myself, and I wasn't drinking, you know, and I would drink that weekend. And... Uh, and I was trying to get myself half well and everything. I said, it would have been three days. You know, really kind of thinking everything's banned and working away and everything. I said, I went to bed and uh, my partner died that night with a massive heart attack. And uh, I was heartbroken, you know. And uh, my daughter, thank God, was having me sleep over, you know. And uh, I couldn't believe, you know, I woke up and he was there, you know. And uh, I called the ambassador, I called... You know, and they called the guards and everything else like that, you know. And they took him away. And I went with him, you know. And uh, I found my friend who was minding my daughter. I said, do you mind holding on for, you know, till that evening? You know. And I came home that, that evening, you know, from Boston. I uh, had to tell her. She was distraught, you know. And um, I had to, I had to get her. Put the big girl liquors on, you know, big girl's panties on, you know, and be strong. And uh, I didn't drink, you know, I had to arrange all the funeral arrangements for his family and everything else like that, and everything organized. Always busy, busy, busy doing that, you know. And my daughter was absolutely amazed because she said she hugged me at the, at the, at the funeral, you know, because all his family were there, my family were there, and everything else like that. And she hugged me that night when we went home. So it was just at home, an empty house. And she hugged me. 
And uh, she's mum, she said, she said, I'm so proud of you. She said, I said, you didn't need to think, you know. And I said, Jenny, I wouldn't let, I wouldn't let him down like that, you know. And the weeks would go by and, uh, and I was trying to be the big, get all the, all, all, everything that goes to the funeral and the, the law and the legal things like that sort of stuff, so you know. And then again, the eventual happened. I pick up the drink again. I was worse, absolutely worse than ever. Because I had nobody there to mind my daughter, right? Nobody there. When she came home from school, I was absolutely broken. I just, everything was gone. I was gone in the sense I was so low. I wanted to die. And I thought she'd be better off, you know. And um, she was 15 and a half, you know. And then she, you know, um, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. And, uh, you know, and I, I tried to commit suicide, you know, and uh, because I thought she'd be better off. Without me, you know, that she couldn't go to my family, and uh, it wasn't successful. And uh, I remember this day, uh, and I was okay. I got myself half right, you know, and uh, I was still drinking. And uh, this weekend she was having a sleepover, and I was working hard that week, you know, and uh, I was coming home, and the usual thing used to on a Friday night. My work, my colleagues, we have a few, just a few glasses of wine wine, you know, and I'd uh, get the stash in my car and I'd come home and drink. And that, that night, that's, uh, I was saying that night and I came home and uh, the Saturday she was having a sleepover and uh, I was going back into the village to get, get a few more bottles, you know, because I'd run out of, you know, I had enough. I said, well, better get a few in and she so I'd have a few for the, the Sunday. You know, I was going into, into the, the, the local town and into the off-license, and I got my stash in to my car. And I don't know what it was, a moment of clarity, not even a moment of clarity, but I knew that there was a meeting in the local town, in the local school, uh, because I knew somebody who had got, got sober, you know, uh, through, through the, the, the meetings. And I said, sure, go into the meeting, and I see maybe I'll learn how to, how to how many drinks I can have tonight, so I won't think. And meanwhile, I had quite, I had quite a lot to drink, and I went into the meeting. And uh, this man came out, he saw my car parked outside and the light on, I was up, I, I drove up on the lawn and he came out and uh, I was standing around outside and I was saying, will I go in, won't I go in? And this man came out, he said, hello, he said, would you like to come in? He said, I know, no, no, I said, that, no. he said, come on in, he said, we'll get you a cup of tea, a cup of coffee. So, because he was so nice, when I went in and they all, they all, they all looked around at me, you know, and I, I sat at the very back with this man, back at the meeting. And they were all talking then, and then, because I was in the back, they started to talk about, they switched to me to, uh, about thinking, you know, about the first thing and everything else. And I couldn't understand anything that was said. But the man was so nice, and they, I was asking him to share, and I said, no, 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 I won't share. You know, and then everybody knew I had a few drinks in me, of course. So after that, the man turned around, and uh, they all came to they said, you they said, ask me what I like to say my name. So I said, my name is Evie, you know, and, uh, and, uh, I said, you know, I'm not an alcoholic. I said, you know, and the man said, that's okay, that's okay. If you're in the right place, you know. And uh, the man who was beside me, he said to me, Evie, he said, um, I said, no, I said, no. And uh, after the meeting, they came out and they, they, they all hugged me and said, Evie, you're very welcome, you know. And said, there was a meeting here on the, the, on the following um, Monday. And uh, I said, oh, thank you. And my dad and the man who was... He said to me, he said, my name is, he said, I'd really love to see you here on Monday. And I said, I don't know. I said, this, I, I'm not an alcoholic, you know. And he says, well, why don't you come back and win? 
we'll have a chat, you know, all these things. And uh, he said, I try not to think on the Monday, come, come on the Monday, you know. And of course, I was thinking the Sunday, and I was thinking the Monday because I needed to get me the shakes. But I went to the meeting on the following Monday, and uh, and do you know what? I don't know why that day, that night I went to that meeting. You know, to say I never know why. And I don't know why I went back on the Monday, but what I got at that meeting was bad. I got it listened because you know I was so sick of being sick. I was so sick of being sick. You know that I needed. I was shaking, paranoia nervous anxiety absolutely hating myself to bits and still cutting myself up because i hated myself so much you know and um, i went on the monday and uh, this man took me under his wing he said evie you don't have to say you're not going to do just come and listen he said and make up your own mind you know so i went uh, every night and he took me to a few more meetings you know i went to meetings all over the place and uh, i still hadn't got acceptance i was in denial oh no no when you think i think Oh, no, 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 I'm not an alcoholic. And, uh, of course, the eventual was to happen that um, I, uh, two and a half months going to meetings, no acceptance, no program, no thing. I looked at the slogans. Actually, I'm not any like any of them. I was worse than everybody else. Because when I was listening in the meetings, I've left a happy home tonight. Ah, da, 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 da. And I said, Jesus, what's all these people? I said, what's wrong with me? You know, I said, I don't belong. So two and a half months, I've uh, been sober and uh, just not drinking. I said, oh, Jesus, you know, I said, that's grand now, you know. Um, maybe, I, you know, maybe, you know, I'm okay, you know, maybe I can drink. And uh, I was go out, there, when I was around, around two and a half months, I was go out uh, with a, a, a good drinking, a good friend of mine who's, you know, very known for, man, for about 20 odd years, you know. And I uh, was going to have a nice meal with him, you know, and... Uh, he said to me, um, he said, well, yeah, but I, I mean, I didn't have to drink night, I, that night because he wasn't drinking because he was going on duty. And uh, the meaning was, like, I was inside in this lovely uh, lounge, you know, and the ambiance was beautiful, everything else. No intention of drinking because I said, two and a half months under my life, I said, I felt good, and everything was good, everything around me was good. I didn't, you know, my daughter was really happy and everything was nice in the house, you know. And... Uh, but I still had that awful compulsion to drink. I had that awful every time. Every day was hard going because I just wanted to drink because I loved it. I just I loved the effect of it, even though it was killing me, even though it was giving me blackouts, it was giving me the shakes, it was giving me paranoia, it was giving me everything. But I still wanted to drink. I still didn't want to give it up because it was my crutch. I didn't have to look at me. I didn't have to feel. I didn't have to really I didn't have to think. It was like my crutch. I, I wanted to because I needed it, you know. And that night, um, because I had no program, I had no meeting, I know nothing, I had nothing, I know God in my life, I know nothing, you know, and uh, I know higher power. And that night, um, he said to me, he said, what are you going to have, Evie, what have you just, I said, oh, yeah, just have a little, I said, yeah, I'll have a white wine, you know, take it and only have a few glasses of white wine, that'll be able to control my drink, you know, that'll be grand, that'll be okay, so I've learned all my lessons, I've learned everything in AA, that fact that, oh yeah, you know, that I show, you know, I know, Jesus, I'm not an alcoholic, she doesn't want my drink, you know, she was all these problems when you be drinking, you know, and all these court cases ahead of me when you be drinking. Oh, I myself all kind of ready to go. And anyway, so I I uh, had that few glass of white wine and uh, I felt great. I felt absolutely. I had the I had the glad bags on, you know, and uh, I'm still missing my partner so much. Nights were a nightmare for me because I just want I wanted that body beside me. I wanted I wanted to see, you know, I just I miss him so much and. I, I, every night I find my eyes out, you know, and 
I was trying to put these feelings. I didn't want to feel. I didn't want to feel the victim. I didn't want to grieve. I didn't want to. I wanted to stay strong for my daughter. I didn't want anybody to know I was upset. I didn't want anybody to know I was broken. I didn't want anybody to know I wasn't coping. And I wasn't coping. I was wearing that mask, happy, happy, happy mask. The mask you have to wear at work. The mask you have to work with family. The mask you have to wear for everything. I was wearing that mask that night, you know. And he said, he would have, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be grand, and he was lovely. I felt a drink, I felt a drink going down my throat. I felt at home. I felt, really, this is it. And after three glasses of wine, that awful darkness descended. I realised, here we go again. He said, he dropped me home. He said, well, get you a bottle on the way home, Evie. Oh, yeah, got me a bottle of vodka. He's going home to an empty house, you know. Three fields, no house near me, you know, all on my own. And he went off to work. And this, 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 this friend of mine, we were just platonic friends for many, many years, you know. And he really, he, he really was my best friend. You know, he was my drinking buddy. You know, he was a heavy drinker. He wasn't an alcoholic, heavy drinker. But he knew me inside out. He would be always getting, I'd be ringing him when I had the shakes. I said, any chance? I said, would you mind getting me a few? But, oh, no problem. And he'd drop up to the phone. You know, and he'd, he'd keep an eye on me to make sure I was all right. You know, my partner was away. And he was just really one of these trusted friends, one of those buddies that you can trust, you know. Because uh, he always reminded you, even when I was drinking, he always make sure I was all right, you know. And uh, so he got me the bottle. He didn't know I, he didn't know I was off to drink anything. I said that, but he was busy at the time. You know, and he, he tried to keep away because... Oh, the fact he knew I was grieving, you know, as well, you know, and he was a friend at, at, at arm's length and says, he ringing me, how are you getting on? You know, I said, you know, and so, and we went home to a big house and think there, you know, and I was thinking right there, crying my eyes out, absolutely, and uh, that night, I remember, I remember looking out the window, you know, I have a beautiful German shepherd, you know, and the shepherd, you know, and uh, Kimmy, and I find my eyes hugging her, you know, and uh, looking out at the stars. And I fell to my knees that night, and I said, wherever's out there, please help. And I'd like to help you, of course, naturally, you know, really. And uh, whatever way I cried that night, even though I did drink, I got into bed, I drank, I drank a whole lot of it, you know. And it, I wouldn't say it like the whole of I kept it a little bit for the next morning, like I always do, you know. And I uh, woke up the next morning, and I had that. But uh, and I don't know who I called out to that night. It was out to the, the, the power of the universe, you know, the stars in the universe. And that, that, and that thing, I was, and I had to think, you know. And at lunchtime, I forgot completely about how I was that the night before, how depressed I was. In my head was get oh, oh God, I have to get myself to think, get myself to think. And at lunchtime that, that, that day, this member around me, he said, Eve, I didn't see you at the meeting last night, you know. I said, I'm not going back, I'm thinking. He said, I come out to your house. He said, I'm out to the bungalow, we'll have a chat. Came out and we chatted for, eight, for about two or three hours. He said, Evie, he said, he said, put that behind you. Maybe you need that. And he reinforced the fact that, uh, that you, you may have a problem, that you, you, you can't control your thinking. And I cried my eyes out that day. But, um, and he said, we'd like to go to the meeting. And I said, and I still had that goo for drinking, do you understand? I still had a boy. I said, no. he said, I need a drink. He said, listen, he said, 
go to a meeting, and if you want to make out to the meeting, I'll get you one. So we brought me to the meeting. Way, way out in the middle of nowhere. Basically, we didn't know just we said that we out to the meeting. I just remember, went, and at that meeting, the members came over to me, a few members, they asked me to share, and I cried my eyes at that meeting. What I heard at that meeting that night, the hope I got, because I wasn't a hopeless case anymore. They said, Evie, you'll be okay. You will be okay. And I grasped onto that hope. And I grasped onto it because I needed it. I needed something. I needed whoever's out there with the power of the universe. I needed the members. I couldn't do it on my own. I realized that I couldn't do it on my own. And that member who minded me, he stuck by me. He brought me to meetings. He said, Evie, just keep him in the day, keep him there. And that's what I did. And I had, from then on, I got acceptance. I had to get, I had to be broken because when I came into the room, I was so broken, I was so lost, I was so, I was so filthy, dirty in my head. I felt oh, nothing. I felt an absolute shite. You know, yeah, that's how I felt. I felt nothing. And uh, the members minded me. And they protected me, brought me for coffee, brought me for meals, you know, and uh, they hold me, you know. And at the beginning, I said, what are these people? What do they want about me? I had thought about their hidden agenda. You, What is this all about, you know? And it wasn't. They just wanted me to get well. Just get well, Evie, you know? You'll be okay. You'll be okay. And eventually, months later, you know, I was to... I was looking at the, the, all these steps, the 12 steps. What are they all about? And I hung on to the slows. I hung on to the members. Because I didn't trust myself. I had to get to work, get to the meeting, get to work, get to the meeting, look after my daughter, do everything that the mummy thing do. Then I went back to college, you know, and um, everything, did, you know, for me. And then I got well. But once I got my sponsor, and she she minded me, and she said, Evie, uh, she introduced me uh, to the steps. I went through the steps, step by step, and I got to the, the fourth and fifth step. And I was to, I was to, Get rid of all, all my shame and my guilt and my, my remorse, everything out of my life. Everything, every little small thing. Because I was told you're as sick as you're sick as, am I sick? Sick, so, so sick. I was so, such a sick person. I got under the thing. And that's where my recovery came. I got hope. I got hope. When I think of Daddy Evie sitting in the fine my eyes out. You know, I'm sorry for getting most. When I look back, when I look back at that person that was so broken, and I was broke all my life, I was lost all my life. I didn't know who he was. I was full of fear, paranoia, trauma, everything, you know. And it was running, running, running away. And when I, when I got into recovery, I got hope. I could look at myself through the Detroit Step Program, through my members, through my lovely, wonderful sponsor, through the people I trust. And then the recovery came in. And I got a higher power, and there was nothing kind of a free God or anything else, because God is good orderly direction. And I got a God of love, a God of love who loved me unconditionally. And that's what I hold on to now today, because I know I couldn't do this on my own. I have to go to meetings, I have to share what's going on in my life, I have to share day to day, you know, try to, to just be as honest as I can, honest and openness and willingness. And my sponsor said, Are you willing to go to Andy Lancey? To stay well, to get well, I said, I'm going to ambulance. I just, I want to get out of this hell. I'm, I want, I want to, to be me, to be the me I want to be. I want to be the one my creator made, you know. And through that, I got recovered. I got hope. 
and I got love, I got happiness because I just take every day as it is a bright new day. I look at the world different. I've got a new set of eyes. I walk in my own shoes. I put my head back. I put my shoulders back. Put my head. I hold my head high, not high, high, high. But I look at world square. I look at life squarely in the face. I can deal with life. I dealt with my parents passing. I didn't need to drink. I, I, I dealt. I've got loads of counselling over my my traumatic childhood. I went back and I got grieving. And I was able to mind my daughter through her grief because she lost a wonderful stepdad, you know, and so on. And, you know, they, and like even my sons who who really um, came back into my, my elder dad came back into my life after 20 years after being estranged from him. And we have a fantastic relationship. So I've got relationship back, and I've not seen, I've got situations going on in my life, but I can deal with them through, through the, the, our wonderful program. And recovery is wonderful. If only I got recovery. I came into the place when my daughter was 16. You know, I was in my middle years. Even I thought my life was over. I thought, but I'm only beginning to life. I only got, you know, I only started to get, I only started to live when I came into, in, into the program, into recovery. When I came into recovery, I saw life in a different way. I saw life to be bright, not grey. I saw life to be lived, be happy and content and joyous and free. And all these things that were done were promised to me that said that you would be okay. You can deal with life and cope with life on life's terms. That's a wonderful thing about recovery. And the members and I love it. I love I love the meetings. I love having the twelve step program. I love recovery because recovery has given me like a I love, you know, going to shows. I can I go to I can go anywhere now without having to pick up that first drink because I know where that first drink will bring me. It'll bring me right back there to hell, back to bad, back to really divinment, to badness to my soul being destroyed, being back to that, I will have to, if I pick up that first drink, I know that I will never stop, because recovery was so hard, and because I just, you know, there's nothing in it for me, because I know there's only pain, torture, tormented mind, being in a jail of absolute madness, because that's what I was in when I was drinking, I was, I was actually in a jail of just madness, that I couldn't get out of it, that, you know, I mean, it was the cage, the doors were firmly locked, but we recovered, the gates have been open. I've been life there, I've got the tools to cope with life on life's terms. And I say I've got situations going on in my life. But you know what? I never want to pick up that drink again. And I hope I didn't go on too much etheric or anything like that. But it is seeing life. And you know, it's just the, what is just lovely trying to say, the freedom. I can be me today, the freedoms that I have. I can come and go, I can drive my car here, I can go there anywhere. I can go anywhere without having to pick up that thing. And I can go all these shows and have a wonderful life, you know, and look, get into sport and get back to college. And got, you know, I changed my career, you know, which I love. I, I am especially these assistant and a personal care, you know, and I'm retired now and I still do do volunteer work, you know, and in fact, I do more work now than I did before I retired, which is amazing. But, you know, it is wonderful. But I just want to tell anybody, you know, anybody who's just in early recovery, hang in there. Just keep it in the day, keep it in the now, because... It's just wonderful sobriety and just recovery. It, it gives you everything. Recovery gives me everything that drink gave me and more because drink took everything off me. It, it stripped me of everything. Uh, alcohol to me is like a painkiller. It just stripped everything off me. But then again, I didn't have the two. I couldn't do life. But now, thanks, thank God, to, to the wonderful program, the wonderful 12 program, I can live life on life's terms. So I hope I didn't offend anybody and I didn't go on too much with Eric or anybody else like that. But I love you all because I wouldn't be sober without you. And I love you. Thank you.